Ready for some word today? Go with me to the book of Genesis. If you can't find that, uh, just start at the beginning. And there you are. There it is. Praise God. Certain realities exist in our lives that do not affect us from day to day simply because we are uh, either unaware of them, we've never learned them, or we have forgotten them. But the principle stands that there can be and there is the, the reality of certain uh, spiritual... What's the right word there? Should have worked that out a little bit better. <laughs> Realities, existences of certain substance that are spiritual in nature, they exist in our lives, but we can be unaware of them. All right? If we, uh, if we are unaware of them, we don't benefit from them, at least not in the short term. And if we have learned them in the past, then... Uh, it's entirely possible that we have forgotten them. We have uh, laid aside those truths, those principles, those realities that can have a great impact on our lives. Okay, that, that is true across the board concerning a lot of things. Um, but there is a particular one. There is a quality that is known in Scripture as the righteousness of God. Okay, that not only grants a person access to heaven, both now in the spirit and when you die, but it also uh, produces a life that has other qualities to it that won't exist with the absence of that, 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 that experience and the knowledge of it. In other words, those who understand this truth, not only truth, but tangible spiritual reality of the righteousness of God, they are going to be able to live with a confidence, with a boldness about their life. Uh, They are able to live carefree and at peace and loving they are able to be effective in prayer. Did you, did you know that, that some people pray, they make requests, but nothing happens, and it has zero to do with God? And it has everything to do with their sense of and knowledge of this reality called the righteousness of God? That might make it interesting all by itself, if nothing else. Uh, those who don't know, they don't know about it, or they've forgotten about it, they live in unaware of it, they often will have feelings of guilt. They live feeling like a bad person. They live feeling condemned. Uh, some of them often feel distant from God. You know, they have this They like to talk about, my prayers won't get beyond the ceiling. 
They talk about closed heavens and all this kind of stuff. Uh, they feel distant from God. Uh, they, they often experience timidity before the Lord and before people. Uh, they have uncertainty. They're uncertain. They feel unworthy. They often feel fearful. They, they deal with fear much more than the person and the individual who has come to a knowledge of and a constant awareness of the righteousness of God that can and should exist in the hearts of people. Now, when you stand before God, how many know it's important that you know where you stand with God? But here's, here's another thing. When you stand before people, it's important that you know where you stand with God. Huh? Your relationship with the Father and your knowledge of your rightness with Him or the absence of that is going to affect all areas of life. It will, it will influence decisions you make. It will affect how you look other people in the eye, whether you can take life by the horns and, and ride this thing and, 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 and have victory, or if you'll be constantly defeated and cower back uh, from the things that come against you. Knowing that God is, is, is for you, He's with you, and, and is going to, and you know, everything, that everything's good with you, is, uh, well, it'll cause you to be far less concerned about what other individuals think about you. Many are so overly burdened with the thoughts of others, how they disapprove, how they are, uh, you know, they think less and they think down of you. But I tell you, when you can get it clear between here and there, it changes everything else. Have you ever walked into a room or into a, you know, even a store or something, and you saw at a distance another person that you were at odds with, that there was some kind of in your relationship with them, and you kind of avoided them, maybe? You don't have to admit this or anything, but you shopped a different aisle, <laughs> uh, not because you were going to, but because it all of a sudden looked more appealing than the awkwardness of that relationship, right? How I many know when you have that, when, when there's unresolved issues, when there's something not right about a relationship, not even saying it was your fault, could have been, could have been the other person, whatever. Uh, but th- when there's something not right about a relationship, that awkwardness will tend, it will cause you to draw away from it. You don't want to deal with it. You want to back away because it's just not comfortable. These realities exist spiritually in our relationship with God or lack thereof. And, and we need to uh, lay this out clear. I want to be real plain and real direct. And I'm not going to beat around the bush like I normally do. And, and so, uh, so buckle your seatbelt. Genesis chapter 2, Genesis the second chapter, uh, notice with me in verse 15, Genesis two fifteen. then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely 
die. And so we see not only that the Lord didn't want us to be knowledgeable of evil, right? Good, at, good just, just good, but not good and evil. Uh, we can see the repercussion here and the result of them eating of that tree, which he told them not to, he said would be death. And, and when would that death occur? That day. He said, in the day you eat of it, you're out of here. You are going to die. Now, the question is, did he die? Did they die on the day they ate of that tree? The answer is yes. They died that very day. At that very moment, death came. But how many know their death was not physical? Their their physical lives, they lived hundreds of years later. They were still physically alive, but there was a spiritual death that took place instantly when they disobeyed the command of the Lord. Okay? There was a separation that took place, but it was spiritual. That death that took place in the spirit took a while, but it eventually manifests all over. But instantly it started affecting them. And it started changing the way they thought, and it started affecting their emotions, and it affected their health, and it affected their their lives and how they conducted themselves. But they died spiritually. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment, because this is real important. Uh, Eventually, this comes around to us. Their death was literal. It's not some figurative statement. It's not some philosophy. It's not something they needed to recover from and just improve. It wasn't a, a, a sickness, okay? It wasn't just a, you know, a virus that got in their spirit and eventually, you know, their spiritual immune system would ward it off and they'd be right with God again, huh? It wasn't that they had, they had just a just promise, Lord, we're never going to eat from that tree again. And, uh, and, and because of that, they were fixed, they were spiritually revived, or no, it was a literal death. They were alive, and they died. You could say it this way, they were the only ones to be born again backwards, because they started out alive, they started out uh, with this principle, this reality, they were the righteousness of God. They were right with God. There was nothing that, that, that hindered them from that. But then they went from life to death. And that death impacted them and us. Look at, look at chapter 3 there in Genesis. You can see some of the uh, immediate effects that this death had because it created a sense of guilt it, it made it made them want to hide from God Genesis 3 and verse 8 and, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife look what they do hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God now, now think about that for a moment the presence of God is the greatest thing I've ever experienced I mean, it far exceeds any natural experience we could ever talk about. The presence of God is so amazing and so desirable and so thrilling and so pleasurable and we have it, access to it now, and we'll live in it forever and I am nothing but excited about that. But what they do? They hid themselves 
from the presence of God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? How many know sometimes if the Lord asks you a question, doesn't mean he doesn't know the answer. Doesn't mean you can keep quiet and he'll never know. Nobody tell him. So, so he said, I, I heard your voice in the garden and I was, what? I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. He, he was afraid and he hid himself. This sensation, this experience that he was enduring right now as a result of death, as a result of dying there right inside in his spirit, caused him to go away from God, not seek him out, but go away from him to be afraid and to, and, and to hide himself. Why are some people today not walking closely with the Lord? For this very reason, they feel ashamed, they feel guilty, they are afraid, they see and view themselves as there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong between the Lord and I, and that may or may not be true, but independent of whether that is a reality, if they think it is, or if they feel it is, the tendency is to draw back, is to shrink away. Even though, you know, our message is, hey, the Lord loves you, Jesus died for you, come to Him, He's your answer. How many know, many of us have been there. You want to back away. All right. Uh, One day, uh, when Jesus was ministering, you can read about it over in Luke chapter 5, but uh, He borrowed a boat from Peter. Okay? Borrowed Peter's boat, pushed out across off the land a little bit and preached to the multitude. When He was done, of course, sowing and reaping, He used Peter's boat, so He gave him a, a reaping. Which was, he said, Peter, cast your net. Time, time, to get, time to go fishing, Peter. And he said, we haven't caught anything all day, but all right, I'll do it because you said so. And he did. You remember the story? And the boat was filled with fish. I mean, they took in such a great catch. It was the grace of God, a work of God there. Other boats had to help. Now, what happened when Peter saw that? Remember? Did he run up to the Lord and say, Oh, thank you, Jesus, and embrace Him and just love Him and just say, I'm going to be with you forever. I'm going wherever you go. You know, he, you might think that would be an appropriate response, and it is. It's like, thank you, Lord. Do you know what he did, though? He did just the opposite. He said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. See, he was knowledgeable that he came in contact with the glory of God and it was manifest right there. And you know what it made him feel? Like a rascal. He all of a sudden recognized God and me. And he said, Lord, depart from me. And so we not only must deal with personally in our lives the condition of spiritual death, But then we must deal with the knowledge of that and how that influences our own soul and affects our day-to-day walk with God, our relationship with other people, so we can experience life to the full. Praise God. Now, uh, in the seventh verse here in Genesis, the one right before 8 where we read, look look what they did. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, 
and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. All right? What did they do? They made fig clothes, right? Fig leaves and made coverings for themselves. Why did they do that? They were afraid, and they were guilty, and they were condemned, and they were afraid, and they had all these things going on, and they said, there's something wrong with us, and they said, oh, and all of a sudden we're naked, and we've got to do something about this problem. And this was the first religion. This is where religion began, fig leafism. It started then, something to cover the shame, something to deal with the guilt. And how many know fig leafism or any other attempt of man does not cure a spiritual problem? There are no amount of figs or clothes or drugs or illicit relationships or religions or services, or good deeds, or anything that can solve a spiritual problem. All they are is coverings. Nothing man can do will undo the problem of sin. But now, you know, religions galore span the globe. And, and the reality is, you know, some of them even have the name of Christ on their buildings and documentation, but it is still simply an expansion of the fig leaf. It's the place that our minds go when we know something's wrong between us and God. We know our standing with God is not the way it's supposed to be. We try to fix it. And now the vast majority of people on the earth have some sort of fig leafism going on in their life. I mean, it's sad. You know why it's, why, why it's so sad? Because it doesn't work. Nothing they do, no amount of effort, no amount of try hard, work hard, whatever they do, is ever going to fix the problem of a dead spirit. A dead spirit covered up by a religion or by a good practice or by habitual healthy habits uh, is still a dead spirit. It still hasn't changed the present condition of being separated from a holy God. And that will always leave a person empty. It will always leave them hungry. This is, you you know, to, to, to all of us believers now... This is what we have going for us when we want to share the gospel with people. We know for a fact that there is a hole on the inside of people. There is something that desires. They might not articulate it or acknowledge it, you know, ready, readily. But we know there is something that desires to be right with God. And there is a guilt. There is a fear. There is a condemnation. There is something that wants to hide from His presence. But we can fix it. Amen. I say we can fix it, it's because it's been fixed for us. But, but here's the deal. Not everyone who calls themselves Christian is. It's real easy to throw around titles, to have descriptions, and we describe ourselves. But just because we have some good lingo, 
we have the right terminology does not mean that is a reality in our spirit. Okay? And what we're talking about here, again, these are, it's the way things are. Go over with me to Romans chapter 5. Let me, let me give a New Testament perspective looking back, not only at Genesis 2 and 3, but, but also, uh, of course, of Jesus. Romans, the fifth chapter. Notice with me in the 12th verse, Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So, how did death get into the human race? Well, through Adam. And because of that, it spread to everyone. So, whether we like it or not, here we are, and we came into a world dead. Death was spread to the whole human race. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That death is a separation from God, and it's no fun. It wasn't God's original plan. wasn't His design that we would be dead, that we would be separated from God. But sin is a real problem, and it's the only life we know as far as the world in which we live. We live in a world full of sin. We live in a world full of death, okay? And it, it, it's, it's spiritual death. Now, now Romans 5, 18, just a few verses down. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation, so that through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, who's that? That's, that's Adam. So also by one man's obedience, who's that? Jesus. Many will be made righteous. And so this is a universal problem. It's a universal issue that had to be and must be dealt with, had to be and must be both dealt with on an individual basis. But know this, that in the Spirit, the, the realities of life and death are obvious. If you and I were to step outside of our physical body today, just boop, and we're all still here in the room, of course, Maybe high-fiving a few angels and, and uh, seeing these guys, right? Uh, we're in the room. We would see without uh, obscurity, without being, being uh, blocked out by anything, whether a person is alive or dead. Not kind of alive, not on their way to, you know, just alive or dead. You are known in the Spirit. These, these things are absolutes. They're facts. It, 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 it's, it's why when a believer leaves their body, they go to be with the Lord. Not kind of, maybe, they just do. All right, And it's a spiritual condition, not a soulish condition, not a physical condition. It's a spiritual reality. So that, that's why the most important thing that ever happened in, to the human race was, number one, when they died... Okay, and death was spread to all men. But then secondly, when Jesus, through His one righteous act, His death on the cross, made all alive, and then we access that by choice, by our faith, 
and we are made alive. Those things matter more than anything in, in, in life. You are known in the Spirit as being alive or dead. So if you're alive, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. But if you're dead, I'm totally trying to talk you out of it. Because death is bad. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's bad news. And the way that our society and media and everything deals with this subject is so out of such a place of ignorance and deception. People are comparing one with another and what about this group and this group? It doesn't matter. Are you alive or are you dead? Well, I'm a somethingism and I'm a you're a fig leaf. Who cares? Are you alive or are you dead? Look, look with me over at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I, I wanted to bring this out and this aspect of this partly because in our world today so many things are misconstrued and, and we have the potential of getting off track even if we have believed right in times past. There is pressure, and there will be pressure for you to give up on the realities of spiritual life in Christ, to back off from it, making room for alternate ways, for alternate paths, for alternate ideas, to kind of convince you that there are many roads and everything is equal of equal value. And that is so far from the truth that I must just say it plain and clear and use some sharp language from Scripture. All right, sometimes we might in our day want to just read past. All right, uh, in Second Thessalonians, picking up on Paul's statement to this church, he said in verse 7, And to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody know what obeying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ means? See, that obedience is as a submission to the fact that Jesus is the only way. It's a submission to the, the fact that He bore our sin, He took our place, and by His grace we are saved. Okay, so when you see obedience to the gospel, we're saying, I can't, you did, I accept it, and I add nothing to it or take nothing away from it. Okay, so there are people that refuse to believe that. They absolutely... No, I will not believe that. And this is the end result of that belief. Okay? These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Jesus even stated in Matthew 25, talking about different groups, He said, and these will go away. Now, this is Jesus. Love personified. Jesus, love demonstrated on the cross. He said, these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, large percentages of the population believe that good people go to heaven. And if you were generally a nice person, if you, you know, gave it your... Gave it your all. If you did more good than bad, 
then when you die, everything's just going to be okay. A lot of people believe that. You know that's opposite of the gospel? The only way a person truly comes to a, an experience of salvation, watch, and the righteousness of God is when they fully admit that they can't do it, that there's nothing in their ability that can make them right with God, and they depend rely fully on the grace of God to save them. But so many people today, they think, oh, this was a good person. And here, here's what happens. Now watch, a lot of times when individuals pass away that are of great fame, they were in, you know, actors or you know, well-known in Hollywood or, or, or pol- politics or something. Well, usually politicians usually aren't favorably looked upon. Uh, but... <laughs> If you're one, you're the exception. Uh, but, 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 but famous people uh, pass away, and then they'll, here goes the language now. They're in a better place. They're preached into heaven, and they're at RIP, you know, rest in peace. And here's the reality. That's not true. Not rest... A lot of people are not resting in peace. Okay? Now, it's not up to you and I to make that call. I'm not calling out someone's name and saying they are here and they are there. I don't know what happened inside of them. I don't even know if someone lived a hellish life, what happened in the last few moments. My prayer is that they called on the name of the Lord. And I think a lot of times people do. Okay? So I'm not... not, I'm not the decision maker there, not the judge there, but for us to uh, allow that thinking to infiltrate our minds to where we start accepting that, oh yeah, everybody's okay. Everybody's good. Oh, oh, really? Okay, so then death really isn't a reality. Spiritual death doesn't take place. Because if spiritual death is a reality, then there has to be a resurrection of that spirit. And if, spirit, and, and, and if spiritual death isn't a reality, religion can fix a person. You just need to start acting better. You just need to start praying more. You need to fix this and do this, and then you'll be okay. But if that's true, spiritual death isn't a reality. There has to be a resurrection. Amen. And, and here's the deal. We can't get away from this. If there is any other method of removing a, the condemnation and guilt and fear and shame that results from spiritual death, then Jesus is unnecessary. And God so loved the world, but He sent His only Son, and He suffered, and He died, but it didn't really matter. Because if you would have just been a nice person, it'd be, you'd been fine anyway. Hmm. No, but the reality is Jesus had to go. Remember, he even prayed himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, if there's any other way, man, if there is any other way to do this, take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. How many know the answer to if there's be any other way is uh, no, there's no other way. There was absolutely no other way to restore and redeem mankind back to a righteous position, a right standing with God other than Jesus had to be our substitute. And when I tell you, 
I, I mean, I hate to do a bunch of stuff that's unnecessary. <laughs> you ever put a bunch of work into something and you work for days and weeks and months and at the end, you know, it was unneeded, unnecessary and just tear that thing out. <laughs> uh, wow. Doesn't feel real good. I'm telling you, Jesus was and is necessary. And so we can't buy into and let this wash away our our understanding of reality. Okay, there is spiritual life and there is spiritual death. And the only way to get from death to life is through the substitute, Jesus. There must be a, a resurrection in our spirit. Your spirit must be resurrected. Okay, uh, I remember uh, hearing and reading many times about Kenneth e. Hagin's experience as a teenager when he was paralyzed and deformed heart and he was on his deathbed and he went to his deathbed and actually died three times in a short short period there and he he, he would tell the tell the story with uh, great you know passion of how he was laying there and how he died and he went cold and his eyes set and his numbness went through his feet and he jumped out of his body stepped out of his body and started going down down, 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 see the lights of the earth flicker above and to where it got so dark, he said, it's impossible to describe it, so dark beyond any human experience, gets to the bottom of this cavern and, uh, and, and, and is heading towards, being pulled towards the gates of hell. He said, I couldn't even describe it myself. He said, there are no words. I couldn't tell you what it was like because I don't have anything to compare it to. And this creature grabs him from the side to ex- escort him in. And he, and he said, then there, there, this voice spoke. I said, he said, I didn't know who it was. It was the Lord or an angel. It wasn't in English. He said, this voice spoke from way up above, and the place shook, and I got, and I, I got sucked back up. And he went back up, 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 and came back in his house and, got, and jumped right into his mouth, <laughs> came back into his body, talked to the people around him, told them he was going to go again, and, all the, and he got back into his body. And, and, then, and then a short time later, died again. Same kind of thing. Went back, went, started going down. Went down through the darkness. Creature grabs him. This voice spoke. Thank God this voice spoke. He comes back up. He comes up in different parts of the house for some reason, but he then goes, into, goes into, his, uh, into his body, speaks with those around him, tells them, I'm about to go. He said when this happened the third time, he, you know, he was, there was even a greater reality that this was no uh, imagination or hallucination. Uh, he's in trouble here and he's and he's sinking down again and he said I yelled out I screamed out so loud it would scare people if I were to do it today and and he said I I cried out and this is what he said he cried out to God and he said I belong to the church I've been baptized in water and he said there was no response there was no response to his cry only his own words echoing in the in the darkness and he gets down to the and the same experience and uh this creature goes to escort him. He, tried to, he said, I slowed myself down a little, but I couldn't stop myself. Couldn't stop myself. And this creature grabbed to escort me in. And he said, thank God the voice spoke again. And he came back up. And this time, on his way up, he's praying. And he's calling out to God and asking for forgiveness. Asking for eternal life. And he said, I got in my body and my voice, my physical voice, picked up my prayer mid-sentence. He said, and I prayed and received Jesus as my Savior. He said, I was born again. <laughs> and, he, and he knew from that point on, because he was 
you know, on, on that bed, that death path, he still thought he was going to die and eventually got healed. That's another story. But uh, he, from that point on, he didn't care if he died. And he had seen, and because he had the peace of God, he knew he had right standing with God. He knew, he knew he now was a present tense possessor of the righteousness of God in his spirit. You see, people have to be born again. It's possible. And it happens. I've seen it numerous times where people are going to church. They call themselves a Christian. They read the Bible. They pray, do all kinds. And they've never, they've never experienced a resurrection in their spirit. I'm telling you, a fig leaf might cover a little bit of shame, but it doesn't remove the problem of death of a spiritually dead person. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? I mean, what would you think if someone made that to you? I mean, you're either whacked. You're either one crazy dude. You're lying, right? Or you're right. Huh? I mean, to say, you, no one's getting to the Father except through me. I mean, there's no brushing around that kind of statement. Someone said, I believe Jesus was a good person, a prophet, a great teacher, a great example. Blah, 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 blah. He's either a liar, lying, crazy guy. You know, he's a liar, he's crazy, he's, uh, you know, thinks he's the way. Or he's right. And he is the way. And he is the only method to remove the sinful condition, the, the spiritual death that occupies the human race. And of course, we know that he is. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 reads, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be, what? Saved. But here's the thing. I know I'm talking to a bunch of people who are saved, right? And probably some that aren't. A bunch of people who are saved. Not only is it necessary to go through the door and to be made right with God and to know that you have standing with God that is acceptable, that you are loved and accepted in Christ, but it's, it's not important to go through the door. It's important to know that you're through. Because here's one of the lies of the enemy trying to undermine this. It's either going to be you know, on one extreme or the other, one ditch of the road or the other, either Jesus uh, didn't do enough, or, or let me say it this way, either he's not the way, it's just, he's just one of many ways, and try to take away from the reality of who he is, or, uh, or, or you need to add something to it, not only do you need to, not only do you need to pray and, and receive Jesus as your Savior, but also, also, you've got to do this, this, and this, and set a whole bunch of requirements on you. A whole bunch of additional obligations. You must also act this way and go here and do this, and only then will you truly be saved. And this is common, by the way. Common. In the New Testament, it was things about circumcision and obeying the law, but even today, many religious leaders are piling on to people. Well, you also have to do this. You also have to do this. Otherwise, you're not right with God. 
And I want to spend some time in this totally righteous sermon about uh, on, on not only moving people from death to life, but then uh, may there be such a, a revelation and a convincing of your standing with God that nothing can keep you away and nothing would make you shy away from the Lord, but everything would make you draw near. Even if you blow it, even if you, even if you fall short, you would still run to Him. Because there, ha- there is a spiritual condition that exists in you where you are right with God. I'm not going to tell you that unless, uh, unless you have certain disciplines in your life every single day that you're not truly right with God. Because that is not based upon your fig. Even if it's a nice fig leaf. Huh? It's not based upon that. It's either all him or it's not. And the enemy will try to lead people away these days. Even believers. In our day, a lot of people are going to fall away. A lot of people are going to turn their back on the Lord. A lot of people won't accept the reality of what He said He is and what He will do. Mm, it's so sad. But let's strengthen our hearts. Let's be grounded and settled and established in truth. In the righteous ways of God. And think like He thinks. And rest and trust fully in Him, not putting confidence in ourselves or anything else that needs to be added on. Amen. Amen. All right, that was the introduction. (laughs) Praise God. Now we're going to get going next time. Father, we love you today. Thank you for your grace and your kindness. Oh, for your great love. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done. For when we couldn't do it on our own, when there's nothing else we could do, thank you that you loved us. And Jesus came and he died for us, took our place. So we could have life. So we could be made right with you. For this we're so thankful. Oh, so glad today. And Lord, we give you all the praise for working in us. Thank you for loving and accepting us.